You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. John Wertheim here is this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast coming to you from the BNP Paribas Open in Indian Wells. It's day one, and I thought today we would sit down with Dave Haggerty. Dave is the president of the ITF, and he is the man responsible for the new proposal that has created more than a few ripples in tennis. This is the proposal to revamp Davis Cup. Um, under this proposal, Instead of four weeks of home-and-away ties throughout the year, there would be a one-week extravaganza at a location right now tentatively scheduled for Singapore. Um, Countries would converge there. There's a lot of money behind this, and Davis Cup would essentially be played in one week World Cup style every year. This proposal, not uh, surprisingly, has drawn a, a fair amount of attention, both pro and con. It will be put to a vote in August and uh We will see if this will advance beyond the proposal stage. But um, Dave Haggerty, who's been in tennis for many years, was a USTA president, was formerly at at Penn and Head, a a real tennis guy. And he ran for this ITF presidency largely uh, on on the campaign promise that he would uh, look to reform Davis Cup. He has done just that. This is uh, radical, especially by tennis standards. And uh, we talk a bit about the proposal, what spurred it, what his uh, responses are to some of the various objections that have been raised. It's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting way to reconfigure an event that I think most people agree has lost its luster. Whether it's the best way is as a matter for debate, um, but we'll let Dave explain. So here's uh, Dave Haggerty, ITF president, on the first day of Indian Wells, talking about Davis Cup. Thanks for doing this. It's uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, you've been fielding a lot of questions the past week or so, but we were saying, I think in Australia, so, something had to change and you've, you've ripped off the Band-Aid. Let's see, uh, let's see what happens. What's, what's the response been like? I mean, let's just sort of 
give start start with your State of the Union, and we can go, from go specific from there. Well, thanks, John. Um, it's been an exciting uh, couple of weeks, that's for sure. And um, what's great is that um, the feelings that you see from the players, from the nations, from the media, from everyone, shows that there's a great passion for Davis Cup. And I think that we've been talking for a number of years. I've gone back and I've read minutes from uh, annual general meetings back in 1980, 81, when we made the first change from the challenger round to what it is today with home and away. And uh, I've been, you know, very excited with the, you know, the the feedback. And I think that, um, you know, the players generally uh, have been very positive. Uh, I think having one event for, you know, a seven-day period, the best 18 teams in the world, the top players playing in one location. Um, you'll have a, a round-robin format in the beginning of the week, which then goes to a quarterfinal, semis, and finals. And also during that time, eight teams will be promoted to play eight teams that lose in the knockout stage right, right. Uh, or the qualification stage. So by the end of the week, we'll know the next year's teams that are going to be invited to the Davis Cup Finals. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, as you say that, before we get to any of the logistics, in the, that's a lot of courts. Where, where are we going to find facilities? That, I mean, we're talking dozens and dozens of courts. Well, uh, essentially you need three courts to run the event. Uh, and that's what we've looked at. Four courts could be possible as well. Uh, and then you obviously need practice courts in addition to that. So uh, a number of cities were working closely with the Cosmos Group, and uh, we've had conversations, as they have, with a number of cities in the U.S., in Asia, and in Europe that uh, have expressed an interest. What do you think – I don't want to say was wrong with Davis Cup, but where do you think sort of the train had gone off the tracks? I mean, I, I often use the word relevance – but that's a hard word to, to quantify three billion, which is the commitment that we've been that's been reported for, for this new format. That's a big financial commitment. Was it a financial drop off or television ratings? Is this player participation? I mean, when you saw the old model and said, listen, something needs to change, which I think was a fairly commonly held view. What were you basing that on? Well, I would say the key driving force was top player participation. Uh, we haven't had the matchups in the Davis Cup finals and throughout the competition that you would sometimes expect today. You know, so the Rafa and Roger, you know, battles, uh, Novak and Andy and all, all those four combined, you know, didn't really happen. Uh, last year, France won. They had a fantastic year. Um, they were able to win the competition, but throughout that competition, they only played one player in this the top ten. This is an amazing statistic. They're, they played one opponent in singles in winning the Davis Cup, yeah. right in the top ten. Yeah, and that was Gofan, who played very well and won his two uh, singles matches. So, to me, it's it's about having the players play more consistently. Therefore, having one week where they know they can plan in advance, it's on their calendar, significant prize money that will be paid, $20 million uh, for the, the 18 teams that are playing there, uh, it will now become more of a priority for them. And that's what will help with, with Davis Cup uh, because it has such a strong history and heritage. Let's talk about the, the finances. This was a big financial commitment, um, but what does the breakdown look like? When these teams in 2019, let's assume this, this passes, we can talk about your, your expectations for the vote in August, but when this, when, this were to, when this happens, what is the breakdown in terms of payment? Well, 
I'll start out by saying there's about $75 million annually that will go to the Davis Cup competition. And some of that will be prize money to the players. But one of the most compelling reasons for us, the, um, the ITF is the governing body. Our, our role is to grow tennis and develop it around the world. The economics here of significant new income coming to the ITF, which will be distributed to the member nations to help them develop tennis, to help Davis Cup not only at the world uh, group level, but at all the levels of the competition. We have 120 nations that play Davis Cup. So much of that money will be distributed to the nations to develop the next generation of players and fans. So that's what a lot of that money will go to. There's other, some, there's other significant money that with Cosmos that we're going to be working on, other grassroots development efforts. But right now, the key focus is Davis Cup. But if we're talking about getting these top players to participate, which, which you're claiming, and I, and I think rightly so, is one of the reasons why we think there's a need for change. It's going to take many millions of dollars to uh, entice them. We're all rational actors. What sort of money is being offered to these players who are going to show up and participate? It'll be about $20 million of prize money, player compensation, to play in the finals. So those 18 teams will all be vying for a piece of that. And then in addition to that, there is money that will go to the nations, depending on how their teams go, and that's how we'll, you know, they'll use that for Davis Cup for development for many different things. And it'll, it'll be up to the country to distribute that as they want? Uh, no, the, the $20 million in player compensation will go directly to the players. There'll be a formula, so that will go to the players. Then there'll be uh, money that will be separate that will go to the nations, and it's up, uh, up to them to use it as they see fit to develop tennis in their country. But we, we, we know what it takes to induce a top player to cross an ocean to play a, a one-night exhibition or, or show up at an event where appearance fees are permitted. I mean, these are yeah. seven-figure fees. That's built into the budget. That If, if you want, then let's be honest, you know, if you want Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, Murray, there's a seven-figure price tag usually associated with that. That's been accounted for. Well, there, yeah, there, there are two different things, uh, or two important things. The first is um, the prize money is included. The second thing is playing for your nation is something different. I mean, Davis Cup today doesn't have uh, this kind of compensation. Players play for their nation for the love of you know carrying the flag and, and also the ability to then uh, qualify for the Olympics. So all this has been considered, so there'll be a significant paydays. But to put it in perspective, $20 million in compensation for a seven-day event, uh, a Grand Slam event is on average about $25 million over two weeks and so you could cut, argue three. You cut the gender in half, and that's, that's a $25 million. Yes. That's Grand Slam money, yeah. since we're only talking about one gender. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, don't want to say this is a Grand Slam because it's not, but want to say that it's certainly an important event, right. and we think we'll we'll rank up there as the best team event in in the you know in the world. When suggestions have been floated for years and years, what what do we do about Davis Cup? One of the ITF's fallbacks under your predecessor was, this is an American perspective. It's fine in the rest of the world, and besides, this is how pick your country. Uruguay is is funding its tennis development. Um, how do you respond to that? Well, I think uh, times have changed, and I think that decisions were made at various times were probably the appropriate decisions then. I think today things have changed. Uh, you know, the players uh, are playing where they want to, when they want to, and, and not as much uh, committed to playing for their nation. They want to, though. 
but there's a big uh, delta in compensation. This takes care of a big piece of it, and they do want to. I mean, what's so great to hear about it is the passion that the players have. Even some players that might be opposed to the idea, they're passionate because they care. But uh, Novak, Rod, uh, Rafa, uh, you have a lot of the top players that I've had a chance to speak to the last few days are very supportive of, of this concept. I was going to say, what you, you don't make a, a big move like this. I mean, this is especially in tennis universe, but this is a radical change. I mean, this, this is a, a fundamental change to an event that's older than 100 years. You're not doing this without consultation with the top players, what have you heard from them? What sort of, are they giving you commitments and what concerns are they raising? Well, I think many of the players say this is a game changer for them because uh, they can see themselves playing in a seven day period, playing five matches over that time period and making themselves available because they can plan it on their calendar. Today, one of the challenges is if you're home and away, you might know where your first match is in September. But you don't know the second match, will you be home and away, what surface it is. So a lot of those unknowns are able to be quantified, and I think that's what excites the player. The compensation certainly is you know, is very significant, and I think they, they see that as well. But there's this passion for Davis Cup. Many of the players want to play more than they, they do, but it takes the four weeks in the calendar of Davis Cup and many of the players need either a week before or a week after to recover from the five set matches and three days of play. Uh, so it's a, it's a much different uh, scenario where it might be an eight-week commitment. This will be a one-week commitment. It'll be in the Davis Cup week at the end of the year, a known quantity. That's where it is today. We see what happens with player injuries and with, with durability and how that tends to wear down as the year progresses why, why February? Why, why wait till the end of the year to hold this competition? Well, I think... I'm mean, sorry, February. No, why, uh, why November? November. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think November because that's the week that we have today. But we'll continue to talk to the players, hear their views. But again, we're trying to not disrupt the calendar. We have a set time where we are. November seems to work well. It's a great season-ending event. So I, I think that's why we're we're choosing uh, November. And what's going to happen in those other weeks that have now been eliminated from the calendar? Well, tennis uh, and Davis Cup will still continue to be played because there'll be over 100 nations that will be playing uh, in in those weeks. And we're also talking to the players about, you know, what else it frees up their schedule, gives them some flexibility as well. Why Singapore? When the sports nerve center is, is Europe, there's a, a strong presence in North America, South America, I mean, pick anywhere on the map. Uh, why, why are we holding this in a location that doesn't have a, a player ranked in the top 500? Well, the location hasn't yet been been finalized. Uh, there are a number of cities, and, and yes, uh, Singapore is very interested and could be a, a great place to have it. And uh, again, I think that um, fans will travel there, sport events are there, but all the different locations that we're looking at and considering are places, are destinations. I mean, the, the excitement of really 26 nations having their fans and spectators traveling to this final will be quite exciting. Do you, do you see that happening? We do. We do. We, that, you see it for World Cup and football and other sports. We'll be working with the nations to encourage the, the players to come uh, because that, that environment, uh, this is not going to be a tennis tournament. This is going to be Davis Cup, and we've got to keep that atmosphere. And, and you think uh, you think fans are going to make this trip not not knowing how their country will do or what the logistics will be. Well, they're they're guaranteed of seeing their teams play through Wednesday. 
you know, which is, you know, three days of, of play, but they'll be able to watch seven days of play. And uh, it's like fans, when they go to the World Cup of football, uh, when they go, they don't, you know, wait and, and book their return ticket, depending on how the team does. They'll follow other teams as well. There'll be excitement. We see this as a festival of tennis. There'll be entertainment, music, different things that will, will happen uh, as well. So the fans will get a, a great week of, of tennis. What, what do you think of this? As I talk to people in all sports, one thing I hear over and over again, a big challenge is the in-venue experience. Sports are great on TV, and we can watch on our phone, and we can watch on big screen TVs, and it's getting harder and harder to sell tickets for for any variety of reasons. Um, By doing Davis Cup in this new format, it's becoming much more of a a media play than an an, you know in person experience. We think one of the highlights of Davis Cup, as we know it now, is the in stadium experience because the the fans. partisan crowds, everything that we have. That's what we're going to be trying to replicate with this new formula. We want to keep all the good aspects of Davis Cup and get more players there, uh, have the venues where more fans can come. Uh, So we want it to be not just a media play, as you say, and and understand that, but also have it be very relevant for the in-stadium, for the spectators that are there. So you you think you can, Slovenia plays Belgium on a Tuesday in Singapore, and you think there's there's going to be an atmosphere that, if doesn't replicate, at least has echoes of, of previous Davis Cup? Yeah, we think it'll be, you know, in, in, let's say if it's an earlier round, it'll be similar to uh, an earlier round that's played today. Uh, you know, don't know the size of the stadium yet because we haven't chosen the, the location. But that environment is what we are trying to replicate everywhere that we are. What's the biggest objection? I mean, we've seen some, I would say, a bit melodramatic, some some sentiments from the traditionalists. Um, we've heard, I think, more measured and more tempered voices still express some concern. I mean, what's the biggest objection that uh, you're anticipating when this this goes to to a vote? Well, I think that the major objection that we will deal with with all the stakeholders, typical, which is what's in it for me. It's got to be a win-win for for everyone as much as possible. So the players, what's in it for them? It'll be the prize money. It'll be the experience where they'll be able to be with their mates and their friends and play uh, a week-long extravagant Davis Cup competition. For the spectators, what do they get? They're going to get a great world-class Davis Cup final. They're going to see 100 players from all around the world, the top players that are competing for their nation. So they're going to get a great benefit from a broadcast perspective. Today, you're not sure if two nations play, if France plays Belgium, we know that in France and Belgium it is watched extensively, but it might not be watched everywhere. It isn't watched everywhere else like that. This, as the the World Cup of tennis, the Davis Cup, it's the World Cup, so nations will be watching while their nations are playing, but I think they're going to want to know who's playing in the finals, and even if it isn't their team. So from a broadcast perspective, from a sponsor perspective, it's very important the top players playing to have this be the event that Davis Cup is and and needs to be with top player participation. And that's the benefit that they'll have in one location to be able to entertain clients and customers um, the way that they want to is going to be very important. And and lastly, sorry, um, we're a member nation uh, that, that's who we report to. My, my bosses are the, the nations. Right. They have to get something out of this as well, and they're going to get a significant increase of 
$22 million of uh, money for development for Davis Cup, for Fed Cup. And let's be clear. I mean, $22 million is significant, vastly exceeding uh, current revenues. It, it is. Even for the even for the most successful countries. It, it is. And again, it will be divided. We have 210 nations. But to me, that's the benefit of, of this. And, and that's uh, very important. And that's in addition to the prize money. How did this bid come about? Well, we've been working with the Cosmos Group, uh, Gerard Piquet, the footballer, is very passionate about tennis. I was going to say, that's a remarkable uh, – I, I confess I'm not a huge uh, – I'm, I'm not a huge European soccer fan. The more I'm reading about him, that, that's a remarkable angle to this. Yeah, well, well he's uh, quite an amazing person. Um, you know, he, he's – I spoke to him uh, this morning, 1 o'clock in the morning, our time. He was up at 10 o'clock in Barcelona to go training. But uh, the day that we met with the board, uh, he had a game that evening. And he came and presented to the board and then played his football match and then met with him afterwards until about 1230 at night. That's his commitment, and that's what's great to see for, for us to have a passionate partner uh, that believes in tennis as much as, as we do. What about, uh, what about Labor Cup? I, mean, I think a lot of people saw Labor Cup as trying to essentially dis- disrupt a market that was ripe for disruption and say, listen, if, if Davis Cup is going to uh, fr- fritter away this, this capital, we'll step into the void and try to create something similar. I mean, I think, you know, th- that, was, that was disputed at some level, but, uh, you know, I, I think the, the, the reality is the reality. What, what does this do for the, uh, for the Labor Cup competition, which as of now is just a few weeks prior? Well, I think the Labor Cup this year, I, I w- didn't go, but I did watch on, on TV, um, was good for tennis. Uh, the players seemed to enjoy it a lot. They talked about it. The tennis was compelling on the court. You saw some big names playing doubles together, uh, teaming up, uh, playing against other uh, good good players on, on the, the rest of the world team, as an example. Uh, whatever makes tennis, you know, elevates tennis is, is good for the sport. Is there any reason uh, not to do this with two dendros and not one? Uh, absolutely right. And uh, believe me, it's already on our uh, our radar. We've already talked ab- about it. I think our first step with Fed Cup is to expand from eight nations to 16. That's our major goal uh, for 2019, to be 16 teams, which means a final four in one location. And then in 2020, the year after this Davis Cup would start, we will be launching something very similar uh, because you're absolutely right. I mean, tennis has always been gender equality. Uh, there are as many women playing as men. There are as many women watching as, as men. So that's our, our next step. It was a little bit too much to take both projects on uh, at the beginning. And just to be clear, the Singapore is not a fixed site? Singapore is a possible site, but nothing we have not yet decided. They've expressed interest, as have other cities. Um, I can I can name one tennis garden located in uh, a California Valley that had I think I know what expressed. You're uh, <laughs> I, I think they had. I don't know if this is public knowledge. They had expressed a, a fair amount of interest in in the ATP World Cup style event. Um, is this not a place where you could? host a competition like that. This could be a perfect location uh, for, for the Davis Cup finals, absolutely. If you're, if you're an odds maker, um, can't how, how are we feeling about Augie? You, you, <laughs> exactly. Um, there's, there's an integrity unit that will yes. uh, get to the bottom of this. But um, I mean, realistically, how, how much sort of whipping and lobbying are you going to be 
doing before August? Well, the most important thing of our decision as a board was it was unanimous. And I, I think that speaks volumes that the board took a lot of time, asked questions. There's still due diligence that has to be performed. We're not there yet. You know, so we, we need to go through those elements as typical in a business deal. Uh, so the, the board will be behind this. Uh, I am you know, here in Indian Wells for a couple of days going back to, to London, talking to players, uh, talking to tournaments, because we have to bring everyone along with us. And I think the the announcement, everyone was very excited and impressed with the announce, you know, with the announcement. But they need the details. So what we need to do is give those details to all the stakeholders over the next few months. And that's why when we come in August, we'll be in a better position because people will be more informed and understand the benefits. And, and to the people, and I think a lot of this was just visceral knee jerk uh, response. But there did seem to be this nostalgia for. My country, your country, home, away, 20,000 fans, face painted. We're not going to have that under this new model. What do you say to those people? Well, I say, why aren't we going to have it? Because, again, spectators will travel. We see that with other big sporting events. And that's the atmosphere that we want to you know, recreate. There will be ways for us uh, as a federation and for the national federations to still have some competitions at home. Uh, like a Davis Cup competition, there are other things that we can that we can look at. I mean, that's a part of our responsibility. But for now, it's Davis Cup and, and really uh, elevating it to the level that we believe this can do. What do you say about this? Would uh, attack this argument that in this global era, when we'd never have had an easier time traveling among borders and seeing other cultures, and in tennis especially, you have players based in countries other than their birth countries. The entire notion of nation against nation is is obsolete. No, I, I think that there is still a pride nation versus nation. Uh, I think that you see it in the Olympics. Uh, you see it uh, certainly in Davis Cup and Fed Cup competitions where the fans come and root on their national favorites. And that's, and that's very, very important. And you see it in other sports as well. You'll see it in... In football, you'll see it in, in uh, track and field and other other sports as well. But to me, I think tennis does it not the best, but I think we do a very very good job of keeping that nation versus nation. And I think it is very relevant. There's a lot of national pride, and I think that you know in many countries the political aspects are are e- raising even higher the nationalistic pride. It, it does seem like a, a there's a market for this, and it's not just world. I mean, you look at. You, you look at rugby competitions and you look, I mean, the World Cup is obviously the gold standard. But uh, I, I also think we ought to step back and, and be pleased that $3 billion investment in tennis is, is not insignificant. No, it's, it's very important. I think that, that shows the relevance of the sport and, and it will help build what we do as a sport for the future. So that's why I think it's very exciting when we have that sort of investment into tennis. It's good for the next generation of players and fans. This was your, your mandate. You, you ran on this, and uh, we'll, we'll see how the next few months go. Well, it's, it's exciting to, to see this come. Uh, it, it's great to have people so engaged. And, again, I think we're confident that if we inform the stakeholders and work with them and listen, that this can be good for everyone. Have you ever heard this expression, the, the enemy of a good idea is not a bad idea, it's indifference? This uh, did, did not trigger indifference. No, it didn't trigger indifference. And, you know, the other thing is that I think, I think everyone can agree on change. 
but I don't think that people have necessarily agreed on what that change would be. But no one's coming with a better idea. And I think... Yeah, so it's Churchill on democracy, right? I mean, everyone uh, can pick out flaws, but... Yeah. What's what's the idea? Yeah, what's the better idea that's going to... So that's why we're excited with this. We'll see what happens. It's uh, it's going to be an eventful few months, but uh, it's you 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 know again you you ran on this uh, when you when, when you were uh, in your your candidacy to be, be head of the ITF, and uh, this is as I said, we're ripping the bandaid off. This is not this is not tinkering on the edges. No, no, for sure. Thank you, John. Appreciate. Thanks. It. Appreciate that. All right. Thanks to Dave Hegarty, our guest. This week from day one at Indian Wells, talking about Davis Cup, his new proposals. Obviously, there are some proponents, there are some opponents, a lot to discuss here, and we'll see how this goes when it's put before the vote. But good to see tennis take an issue and uh, actually try some some radical change. So um, that does it for this week. Thanks to Dave Haggerty. Thanks, as always, to producer Jamie Lasanti. We will try and do a few more podcasts here in Indian Wells. We have a scheduled session with Simona Hollop, and if audio cooperates, maybe we'll make that our next podcast. Keep your suggestions coming. You can follow us and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Keep the guest suggestions coming. We'll do another one of these soon. Um, Again, thanks, Dave Haggerty, for this week. I'm John Wertheim. Jamie Lasanti is our extraordinary producer, and we will have another podcast soon. All right. Enjoy week one from Indian Wells, everyone. Thank you.